You are now listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host. And on today's show, I have uh, Ikrima. Um, I am not going to murder your last name, sir, but I am honored to have you on my podcast. Um, and uh, and I'll let you uh, in a sec. Uh, give give me your last name. And then I also have John uh, Stardewer. Uh, and I think I did okay on your last name. Yeah. Okay. Just like, the, just like the Scotch. Okay, awesome. Um, so, Ikrima, what's your last name? How do you pronounce your last name? Uh, it's Elhassan. Elhassan. Okay, you have a badass name, by the way. It, it's like, <laughs> Thank you. It reminds me of a Japanese RPG uh, like protagonist for some reason, so uh, you, know, you got that going for you, man. That's... I like that. I like, I like Japanese RPGs, so um, <laughs> I'm going to go with that is where my, the inspiration of my name came from. Very cool. So you guys are with Kite and Lightning. Um, a, uh, you know, from what I've seen on your website, you guys do augmented reality and virtual reality apps, uh, you know, uh, namely... Uh, Perhaps one of the ones that people have heard the most of is Senza Pe- Peso uh, and The Cave. Um, and, and then there was another one where it's like super cyber, cyberpunk, really cool. I can't remember the name. Can you please enlighten me on that one? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, The Station. Was, uh, ah. We were jokingly referring to that as uh, Hugo meets the fifth element. Ooh, that's a good man. Your mind is somewhere interesting <laughs> for that. <laughs> that's... Lots of sleepless, sleepless nights is where our inspiration comes from. Nice. Okay, so let's talk about really quick. How did Kite Enlightening as as a company come come about? And you know, where what are your different backgrounds? I'll, I'll start really quick with John. Okay. Well, I'll let Krima uh, handle the where did Kite Enlightening get started because he's been around longer than me. Okay. Um, I joined up with Kite and Lightning pretty recently, um, uh, which was just happened to be really good timing for everybody. But myself, I'm a VFX, had a VFX background out of film school. Um, just kind of got pulled into doing a lot of VFX for low budget films, uh, you know, TV shows, National Geographic Channel kind of things, and then eventually advertising. Um, and that evolved into a sidetrack into web development. And I think it's time to come back to the art side and, and just really combine those disciplines together. And VR is the perfect place to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and, and so, uh, Ikrima, what is what is the, the birth story of, of Kite and Lightning, if you... Um, me and Corey, uh, through a mutual friend, had met about, like, Jesus, two and a half years ago, um, in the south of France, out of all places, uh, he had just won a, uh, a pretty big advertising award, uh, the Con Gold Lions, um, for like an interactive piece that he had done with uh, our mutual friend, and uh, just kind of, I was living in, in Prague at the time, uh, enjoying my time in Europe, and uh, um, went down there to hang out with them for the weekend in, in the south of France. Not a class, bad place to spend a weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just really connected in terms of, you know, what we kind of wanted to work on and what, you know, some of the stuff that was interesting to us from, like, the VFX film side. You know, I come from, like, VFX R&D, and Corey, you know, is... Uh, been working on like TV, film, broadcast, and music videos for like the last 20 years. And uh, it kind of grew from there. And, and then, you know, we went through a phase of doing a lot of like performance capture stuff that kind of we were really excited about 
you know, the idea of being able to make digital doubles and have like digital actors, you know, in a very uh, economical way, you know, mm-hmm. without requiring an eight or nine figure budget to to bring those digital doubles and clones into, you know, uh, into 3D and, and augmented reality. And, and since when VR hit about a year and a half ago and we got our first dev kit, we basically just kind of realize that this is really all that we really want to be working on and uh, we've kind of uh, since that point just been solely focusing on on vr and i take Corey as uh, your co-founder uh, yeah Corey's uh cory's uh, uh my co-founder uh he's our uh, uh resident vfx artist ninja rock star macgyver awesome that's that's a really that's a really good uh cool title to put on a business card um, <laughs> Yeah, you should put that on the business card. <laughs> so, why virtual reality? Um, what, why, what is the allure of virtual reality for you both personally? Um, and uh, go ahead, Ikrim, I'll we'll get up with with you. Sure. Uh, you know, I think for me, it's it's kind of um, that next level of Im- immersion and, and creativity, and you know, being able to tell kind of like really interesting stories, and you know, I. Before I got into VFX R and D, I, you know, I was, you know, just like a lot of other people, um, really into games. You know, when I was really little, uh, and then I got really excited about making games. Once I, I don't know, I think I was like eleven or something, and someone uh, uh, told me that I could make a video game, and you know, started making them on like, you know, the calculators. If you remember those, those graphing calculators, um, and. Uh, uh, for me, it's kind of almost in a way coming back to what I, you know, used to do like, uh, you know, 15 years ago. And now that we can bring like film cinematic sensibilities to it and and kind of be able to tell stories and not just video games, but something that can really kind of connect with, you know, the audience in, in kind of a new, different and profound way. You know, that, that sucked me in, you know, it's like, Yes, I want to be in it. I want to be doing this. And we have all the tools now at our disposal to, to be able to create something. For sure. Uh, John, what, do you, what, what is the allure for you in, in virtual reality? I think I've just always really dreamt about having it. I think maybe from the perspective of doing 3D artwork, I, I always felt kind of trapped on the other side of the screen from what I'd made. That makes sense. I, I really wanted mm. to be able to, you know, get in things that I had built. I, I did a I did a lot of uh, machinery kind of things, um, you know, made models of cars and whatnot. And it always just seemed like it would be really fun to be able to to kind of touch that. And you know that it was always such a strong desire to have that, and there was never really a, a good way to do it. Um, and, you know, that, that was a big part of it, but I think also just, I don't know, I think the whole concept of virtual reality always just was to me something that I wanted to do and it kind of got back burnered, um, for a long time. But then as soon as I heard about the rift, I started to get really excited about it and I got mine last June and, and basically since I think like 
right around when Oculus first got started, I've been trying to find a way in to virtual reality. Um, and and uh, I think this is this turned out to be the best way to meet up with. I met Corey Nakrima and just seemed like a really good fit. And they live, you know, the office is right near where I live, so it, yeah. it was just perfect. And and you are uh, that's 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 awesome and it's really cool to hear both of you guys' perspective where you're coming from. You know, uh, talking about Sense of Peso now. Um, <clears throat> when I tried it, uh, I tried it at the SVVR conference and uh, I had the pleasure and honor to put it uh, put it on with a uh, an HD version Oculus Rift, um, and it was amazing. It was uh, it was in it, what I thought immediately. You know, after coming off of the experience, I was like, dear God. These guys are going to eat Disneyland's money, lunch money. Like, <laughs> Thank this is, you. This is because because it, I because I remember like going to Pirates of the Caribbean that theme ride, and and you know and basically for me what I what I what I think of these theme rides in, in Disneyland and these you know these places they're, they're like they're more or less immersive environments without the computer graphics. You know they 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 probably were designed in a time when you know you couldn't pull that pull that off and so they had to physically create those those worlds that they wanted you to see and now with the with the rift that cost is i, I think immensely lowered and in, in and now you can cre create these things where like holy crap i'm looking at a giant molten volcano mountain of doom and it's insane and my mind is being blown you, you know what is is what is it um that you guys plan on doing with with your experiences i mean what what are, what are your goals are you are you really aiming for eating disneyland's lunch money or what is it that you guys are, are planning uh, i guess in a way i mean we uh we are we kind of internally you know uh joke around half jokingly say that you know we're striving to be the pixar of vr you know we want to create amazing you know, beautiful cinematic experiences in VR, you know, um, not necessarily films or, you know, not necessarily full-on games, whatever the right thing is in VR as, as, as we figure that out for, for that medium. But something that's cinematic and beautiful and, you know, um, people will really enjoy and, and, you know, people will remember. And, you know, we're trying to get to the point where we can be just like Pixar and, and be able to do that full-time uh, and have and work with people that want to do that, you know, full time. So that's kind of where our goal is, you know. Now, how we get there, it's it's kind of I think we have some interesting things in the pipeline. We're excited about you know creating kind of our first, you know, bite size like, um, you know, I, I don't want to say game, I don't want to say like short thing, but experience that people can you know download and you know be hopefully excited to like you know pay for and and, uh, um, you know, uh, help us kind of grow uh, as a company in, in that matter. When you're designing these experiences, who are you designing it for? Is it is it for you or do you have a specific audience in mind? <laughs> it's us. We're very yeah. selfish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's us. Uh, and it's obviously us and, and the people that we've, the, the audience that we have, we've kind of garnered so far and people who kind of have our, you know, like the stuff that we've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, we've been trying to be very active in, in, you know, anyone who's interested in the stuff that we've done so far or are about to do, 
um, to kind of get them on our newsletter and, and we, you know, try to have an open dialogue with our audience and, and, and you know, um, to kind of bring them in into the process a little bit. What? Uh, go ahead, yeah. sorry. Oh, that was it. And, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and what has been the feedback so far in terms of, you know, from, from people who've tried it and, you know, what, what, what sorts of feedback are you getting from your audience, from just the community in general? I'll, I'll let John elaborate on that because I think he's he's probably demoed uh, sense of peso more than than any of us here. But I mean, so from what I've seen, it's it's kind of been a really uh, overwhelmingly uh, positive reaction so far. Yeah, I mean, definitely overwhelmingly positive. I think the worst reaction we got from anybody was that was good. You know, just they kind of take the headset off and walk off. You're always like, okay, well, I'm glad you liked it. Thanks for trying. But, you know, mostly people have been quite enthusiastic and a few people have, you know, come out of it with tears in their eyes and have said things like, now I understand what VR is. And, you know, that's really heartening when you hear feedback like that. Um, and, you know, we had a, a few people do some uh, YouTube reviews that were really entertaining. And it's kind of hard not to just sit there and watch them over and over again and, and you know, break your arm, patting yourself on the back because it, it's just it's addicting. It's a, it's a real high to, to show this to people and, and get the reactions. And I think that's probably what drives all of us to do the late nights is, is we want that high again. It's, it's a drug. And the next one we're going to have to raise the bar so people are excited and 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 uh you know tell us that yeah i saw the video with emart uh from that he tried sense of pezzo and he was i mean the guy the poor guy i feel like he was about to collapse and, and like have, <laughs> and just need you know needed a, a like he, he was having a, a, a sort of an existential crisis there good job guys you you really did it there like you know, that's a powerful thing you just said, like when you when you, when someone walks away from from the experience and says, now I get it. Now I know what VR is about. That's that is intense. And, and you guys are uh, pulling it off quite well. What is you know, what was your design uh, decisions going forward? Like, why did you not include a control? Like, why did you make it in minimal controller input? You know, how, why did you make it on rails? Like those those sorts of, sorts of nuances. You know, perhaps you can give me a, a quick uh, uh, preview as to how that decision process was made. Sure. Yeah. I think you know, uh, fundamentally, it was just because we're on you know stretched resources. Um, you know, it, and John had luckily so awesomely had you know joined up right before we embarked on Sense of Peso. Um, been a tremendous help in, in us actually getting it done. But even then, it was a pretty intense seven weeks. You know, I think it was like 14, 16 hour days for, you know, a good chunk of that. And, you know, including, you know, a good chunk of Saturdays and Sundays. And, um, you know, having it on rails kind of really um, cuts down on the number of, you know, things that you have to create. You know, it doesn't have to be as open of a world. Um, we could cheat, you know, this, the, all the characters that are in there, you know, we, um, the, the, the live action elements that are in there, you know, that effect only works if it's, if the viewpoint is kind of constrained to a, a certain, you know, certain angle or a certain, certain way. And, 
and uh, you know, and then we didn't have to test it on you know, like play test the levels extensively to see if it would break. And you know, it's I guess it's like fundamentally, I guess it's just that one of our core tenets is that you know we also we always say is that you know we we have a limited amount of awesome sauce and and we we don't want to dilute it by spreading it too too thin. You know, we'd rather do you know something more minimal that's like super polished and amazing as opposed to having a slew of things that kind of half work sometimes. Mm. It's, you know, I, I feel like you've, you guys have shined through the limitations that the Rift imposes on you, you know, just because of the lack of positional tracking and the, you know, the, the low resolution it makes me, you know, it's still quite nauseous after a while in intense sort of, you know, gameplay features. And, and so that's, that's cool. You know, talk, Talk about uh, the limitations of using live action technology here. Like what you said, you can't actually run around the characters or what is it? What's uh, what, what are the pros and cons? Uh, if you can enlighten me on those. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's basically we have um, the way those, those, those characters, you know, all the, the characters we have in, in the Incense of Peso, they were shot uh with just you know two cameras like a, a, a the way that a 3d movie would be shot um but they're only from one particular angle um so you know we shot them you know on a track on a camera track kind of mimicking you know the the boat path that goes through the world mm -hmm. so as the as the uh Uh, the camera, you know, is or as the boat is kind of moving through the, the sense of peso world, you know, the recorded footage is moving, you know, accordingly. And so you get the right parallax. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we took the, the video footage and slapped it on a 2D plane in in the 3D world, in the 3D sense of peso world. And and that flat plane is just always pointing at the camera. Right. So if you were able to move all the way around it you know, and by your own volition, you'd very quickly notice the effect is broken, you know, because it's like, you know, you wouldn't be able to see around, you know, you know, Justin or Rob, you would only, you'd only see their front part and they would rotate with you. So the illusion of it would kind of um, go away. Um, so that's kind of, and, you know, we've used that trick a couple of times. We've used it on the station uh, for Justin, mm -hmm. you know, he was kind of in the car, so you couldn't really move around him. Uh, and then he was singing on top of the car when he's in, in his speedo. And, you know, you, you couldn't move. You could only move up and down the train. Um, so that's that's kind of where the limitations are. And, and, you know, the way we approach stuff is that we have a bunch of brushes in our creative toolbox. And whichever one is most applicable to bring our creative vision to life is the one that we're going to to use. Yeah, well, that's it. That's intense. That there's this one uh, spoiler alert. That there's this one part where the face follows you, and I was, I was like, oh, how did they do this? What is this sorcery? And, and now that you ex explained this, it's just it makes a total sense, and it's uh, true ingenuity how you pull that off. That's insane. Because I, I was like, this thing, those eyes are like they're following me. That's how is that? How is this real? And it was, man, I, you that yeah, that was that was amazing. What is your You know, just switching tracks a little bit. What is your monetizing model like? How do you make money off of these experiences? How do you price them? How do you find? You know, how, how do you decide what the value is? You know? 
All very, very good questions. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, our, our first priority was kind of, you know, just put out experiences that we really love, um, you know, experiment to figure out what works and what doesn't work in VR and um, kind of see who else likes this type of stuff and kind of build an audience base and, and see if, you know, people are really into it. Um, I don't think we, we have any real plans of how to monetize any of the stuff that we've done so far. It's, it's kind of all been uh, funded by uh, me and Corey's 401k uh, 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 funds, uh, and now John's as well, now that we've sucked him in. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, in the future, obviously, we're, we're, that's not just sustainable, and so we're obviously going to try to create you know, maybe on our next thing that we're going to target before, you know, Thanksgiving holidays is to create something that people, you know, will be excited to actually buy and download and, and be able to kind of like, you know, play for an extended period of time. Yeah, define play because you're, you're I wouldn't say your sense of peso, for example, or the station are necessarily games. So you're thinking of incorporating gameplay elements going into the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's this whole gamut between, you know, something that's a complete, like, like a film that you just sit back and watch, and then something that is like a, uh, a game where you're just like, you know, Mortal Kombat, all you're doing is fighting, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's going to be this awesome intermediate area where it's like these cinematic kind of experiences that definitely have gameplay, that definitely have interactivity. Um, and we're definitely planning on, on having incorporating those elements and you know the only reason that we haven't done that so far is that it's mainly been a resource you know and time point of view um you know a lot of our time just gets eaten up into making the actual stuff um you know and and uh um, we'd love to be able to kind of really draw you into the to the experience and have gameplay and have interactivity and and you know Corey is is you know since back in our AR days, you know, has been wanting the ability to have, uh, you know, AI, you know, characters that you could talk to, like, you know, with the way you talk to with Siri and have them respond back to you. So all that stuff is in the works and we're just, you know, um, putting those elements together and ideating and making sure that whatever we are, we come out with next feels really good and solid. That uh, that's extremely exciting to hear that you're gonna or or, or you're in the works and planning uh, to perhaps maybe who knows incorporate voice control or voice commands or you know the use of voice because that's I guess in in my my mind I think that's uh, an ideal or one of the ideal inputs of VR you know why do we need a controller all the time we could just hopefully just talk to the machine and it would reply back that's really cool that you're you're thinking about that for sure yeah def definitely thinking about it we just want to make sure everyone's expectations are are managed is that you know it's one of those things that is like we're definitely going to do it and we definitely can't wait until that's ready but that might be a little bit of ways before it's it's really polished enough to where we can kind of use it outside of a test Okay. Test uh, environment. You, you don't. I will be patient. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just don't want to about the entire internet. On the next thing to do is like, there is no voice in this. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I'm thinking maybe the next one's not probably. Not, it's normally not going to make it in there, but um, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, you know, the, the other possi other possibility would be maybe to try and do something 
with the multiplayer component to it, which of course absolutely you can you can also talk to other people in that kind of form. So we we definitely put out a lot of we we have a lot of good ideas that we've talked about and and maybe we have we'll have a few more ideas to talk about soon, but we haven't I guess uh, committed to anything yet. Um, whatever it is, it's going to be. Uh, I think we we can. The only thing we can say for sure is it's going to be worth the wait. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, li- really quick, John, what do you think is uh, you know, one of the I think one of the aspects of 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 your experience, and I think it's an aspect that isn't well talked about, is your audio. the The music is just beautiful, even in this in the station. I mean, you know, you had uh, I believe Justin. He was. You know, he was so lively and, 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 you know, you felt like he was there. You know, where does the audio come in? Like, who is in charge of audio? What is, you know, what are, what are you, what is your thought process going in? I mean, sense of Pizzo, like that, I think the audio, you know, in my experience, like in my opinion, is was just as good as the experience itself, the visuals themselves. So, you know, where did the company, did you guys like hire an orchestra or something? How did that come along? Well, the the song itself um, was something that some of Corey's friends uh, composed, mm-hmm. and uh, Corey and his friend Alan were were shooting the making of of the song, and that's when they got the idea to actually make the to make a music video out of the song. And this this of course was half a decade ago. Um, they then went and filmed a music video based on the song, and. Uh, and then Corey spent about five years actually working on that and finishing that up. Um, so he had just about completed it, and uh, the station was done, and he and Akrima needed another VR project, and they had this, you know, all this art, beautiful artwork that had been done, you know, with a lot of people involved, and Corey had put blood, sweat, and tears into it for years, and, you know, it was sitting there. It was perfect. Um a great opportunity to take advantage of that and and really have a an awesome VR experience built out of built from that. You know, speaking of experiences and and you know, the sort of the on rails, you know, experience that you guys nailed down. Like, what other applications have people approached you to, or or have you guys even thought about? You know, um, for for me, I, I I think about this and and I, I was wondering like, holy moly, this could be the next generation magic school bus right here, like, or, or, or something in, in interactive in that way. You know, what do you, what do you guys have been cooking up or have been thinking about in, in terms of, you know, incorporating different aspects of, of, of VR in education or healthcare or, or, in, you know, different sorts of movies, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately um, a personal thing for me is I'd really love to do some educational content eventually. Um, uh, the magic school bus is, is definitely like, it's kind of an obvious one, I think, mm-hmm. um, because I, I've heard a lot of people, uh, mention that one. I, I, I remember, um, telling Palmer about it back in November, uh, at some point, but, uh, yeah, Magic School Bus or Cosmos, the spaceship of the imagination. Yes. Uh, I, a couple people brought that up too. I think Blair um, 
from Technolust said that he was uh, in contact with Anne Duran and he might try and do something with the Cosmos Spaceship of the Imagination. Um, and Netflix is rebooting Magic School Bus. So, you know, those projects, I think there's there's definitely, that would be amazing in VR and I'd love to work on them. Um, and uh, and I think there's there's definitely some potential funding for that. I, I think in terms the educational of, aspects are amazing. I, I 100% agree. In terms of the challenges, though, of, of figuring out ways to... For example, walk the, the the user, the person through, you know, a, a narrative, or or you know, making sure that the pace isn't too fast for them to, uh, you know, capture like uh, encapsulate or or absorb all the information that is being put out for them, like. You know, you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Like, are you are you gonna put a pause button like a DVR and then stop the Rails experience so that you know, in, in case they need to like hang hang a little uh, hang in there a little longer? Or, you know, what do you you know what are the challenges uh, in, in terms of you know making a, a narrative experience like Sense of Peso, Like, it, it felt like I was inside of a dream, and and to me, I, I think it felt. Um, a, a fragmented uh, dream wow. with uh, perhaps I I I I I I couldn't find a, a story. I, I'm sorry. I don't I don't know what the story was, but it was just fucking awesome. The, the, the <laughs> but in terms of like a story, like actually telling a narrative, like you know, how do you how do you pull that off? How do you what are the challenges? How, you know, because it, if you if you can pull it off. It would be insane. You, again, you're taking on Disneyland, and, and you'll probably take down Hollywood with you. <clears throat> yeah, I think Sense of Peso kind of follows the Pirates of the Caribbean model, mm -hmm. um, where the story is told by the various characters that you pass and scenes that you pass, the passing kind of tableaus, right? Um, and, and the story is you're dead. There's uh, there's some interesting spirits who are trapped in this world between the living world and the, and the afterlife, and they haven't been able to you know proceed to the afterlife yet, so they're they're just stuck. But you kind of progress through this middle realm, this limbo, and end up going into the afterlife at the end. Oh, that's what that. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I'm sorry. I, I just I was like, man, this is the greatest acid trip ever. <laughs> you know, I I never I never it, I did, I just didn't put two and two together. But it was well, well. And to be fair, Chris, I mean, it's um yeah no. I mean, I don't think anyone would get that if if you know uh, just from the VR experience. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, the the idea that we kind of had was that. Um, you know, because the whole there's a precursor of a 2D short that you know. Um, uh, that Corey had been working on for several years, um, where we kind of, you know, the, took that and made a VR version of it from. And, uh, you know, that one is kind of where, like, the idea that we had is initially um, is that people, you know, would watch the 10-minute the short, and it kind of, you can kind of see the story in there, you know, and then they would, you could go into the VR experience, and then you could, and the VR experience would kind of be more like a, a ride through the different worlds from the short film. Obviously, like asking people to, to go through a 10 minute video and then do the VR thing is way too much of a commitment in this day and age. But um, that was kind of the idea where people would kind of kind of get a sense of what the, the narrative is. Oh, 
that's uh that, thank you for thank you for yeah putting that together for me i i, I appreciate that you follow me really quick really quick down the uh, rabbit hole uh because i uh you know you when you talk about the afterlife right and and, and death and how i imagine somehow in a parallel insane universe a vr could be tied to life and death is uh perhaps someday in a, in a long distant future people will utilize vr so ubiquitously that it's just it's just like breathing or it's just like drinking water every day and you know they will be living out a, a huge chunk of their lives inside the metaverse and then you know i think about like what happens to you when you die what happens to your consciousness what happens to that that you know whatever is inside that gray matter that's standing on your shoulders like what what happens and i figured you know do you think again we're in crazy land so please feel free sure. to get crazy with me okay is it possible one day to perhaps you know capture someone's consciousness after having them recorded inside vr because i'm sure a huge chunk of people's lives will be somewhere stored in a database and then you reconstruct that life and then you turn it into an artificial consciousness that can outlive the you know the past human is that you know is that something that you guys perhaps ever pondered or thought about or you know what do you think now that i brought this crazy idea up <laughs> i mean i think it's actually i've never actually put two and two together but i think that would definitely be pretty crazy because it's and and would actually be really interesting because if you think about uh, you know one of the big things that's happening now in in at least the, the technology sector is you know big data and like analytics and you know applying all the crazy machine learning and math and science has been going towards you know figuring out how to make you click more to buy stuff towards other fields such as um uh you know like uh how to have get farmers to build better farms and to how to increase you know like uh the quality of life of their livestock by you know like their feeding patterns to you know the next big thing for us on for as humans is being able to capture like continuous kind of like analytics about yourself for health reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in the future people are going to be crazy like think that we are crazy that we go to doctors after we've gotten sick, you know, instead of being able to, you know, having something predict that hey, we're about to get sick or hey, there's some warning signs, you know, you need to go to the doctor to to fix these things. Um and then when you think about someone who was born, you know, from day one plugged into the metaverse or the matrix and then you are sampling every decision that they've made at 60 hertz you know for the entirety or the majority of their lives that's like such a treasure trove of information and that would be such an interest like i would love to see what the, those crazy people at google would be able to do with that kind of a data set yeah it'd probably be really scary it'd probably be like one step away from terminator <laughs> or or we could but but then it's now we we're going into the realm of philosophy like is that is that a, you know if you are able to you know uh, that once that person's dead and then and then if you replug them so to speak you know through this artificial reconstructed consciousness that they've you know put out in VR is that is that is that person is that a living thing or is that is is that just a machine that is replicating something that used to be alive 
That's a good question. It's like the ultimate Turing test. You know, will can your family distinguish between the replicated version of you in VR or like, you know, your actual you that's plugged in? I don't know. That's really interesting to think about. You know, what do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't put that much thought thought into it. I I, I think I'm, I'm skeptical that that's possible to recreate somebody. I, I think you could recreate something that was a facsimile, maybe. Um, if you had a some kind of artificial intelligence that worked well, and then you fed it all of these memories, it might behave something like the original person. Um, but I don't know how... I don't think you'd ever get that close. I, but, you know, Ray Kurzweil, if you watch the documentary on him, mm. it's floating around out there somewhere. Um, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Um, he's, he's got all of his uh, artifacts that he owns from his father's life. And his father pr- passed away um, fairly early in life. Um, it was a big tragedy for him. So a part of his interest in artificial intelligence is to try to um, do exactly what you're talking about, essentially recreate his father. Um, so if you if you look at what he's said and written about that, he's he's put a, a lot of thought into this. And he's a pretty interesting person if you're in, uh, pretty interesting to listen to what he has to say about it. Yeah, I've 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 listened to a little bit of uh, of his, of his talks and what he's been saying, and you know the big thing that I I, I think I, I take away from that is like my dog, I am going to clone the shit out of her, uh, because I don't want her to go, you know, like I'm gonna outlive my dog, I'm gonna I'm going to outlive her, um, and I'm just going to like make seven Eevees, and you know that's her name, <laughs> and each one is gonna be a different color and have a different uh. <laughs> power one is going to shoot water out of her butt and the other one's going to be a static electricity (laughs) (laughs) you know like and i'll I'll use uh genetic engineering of course to of course to like make her electric so i'll I'll splice the the genes of a eel an electric eel and put it on that clone of a dog and then i'll splice the genes of a you know something that squirts water out of their butts and i'll put it on the on on my on my clone dog and yeah i i mean that's uh I, I know it's it's weird and it's like funny, but like I I really think that I'm going to clone my dog one day. Um, be, be, are you are you guys you know do you guys think that it'll be possible in our lifetimes to see clones walking around, human clones perhaps? Oh, I don't know. That would be a. Uh, I think uh, it's already possible, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's done it. If they have, they haven't said it. But I think it's totally possible. We've got the technology already. Yeah. So ironically enough, that's what my dad does. Uh, not cloning humans, but uh, cloning uh, animals uh, and and doing in, in vitro fertilization. Um, and, you know, it's I think it's, you know, in our lifetime, you know, another 60, 70, 80 years, but a lot of stuff can, can happen. Um, you know, they definitely, if ethics aside, could definitely do it and attempt it. You know, there's today, right now, you know, the only challenge is now is that, you know, what they see that they still don't understand is that, you know, like someone will want a clone of their prize breed, you know, cattle or stallion or whatever. Um, and they'll make a bunch of clones and, 
um, you know, sometimes everything's really healthy, everything's really good, and then like at month 16, the 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 clone, you know, baby just dies, mm. and they have no idea why. Um, so you know, it's like if ethics was aside, you could definitely try it now, and then you know, you'd have like a handful of clone babies that are walking around. Yeah. Well, do you in terms of like you know what other ethical reasons are there to not clone human beings? Do you think there are? Because hmm. I just sort of think of the like the you know I I wish I I put more thought into like man, there is probably bad shit that could happen if we clone human beings. But you know I'm more excited about the prospect of I want seven dogs and I want you know <laughs> and I I want a spare backup of me in case I get assassinated or something because I'm silly like that. But <laughs> well, of course you can do that uh, right now. <laughs> How? How? Tell me. I'm. Don't leave, there's, don't... there's many companies that do that now for for farmers. Well, they will clone their uh, their cattle uh, and their prize, you know, breeds and and make more of them. Mm. Um, so you could literally, if you wanted to waste a bunch of money, um, go make seven versions of Evie. Okay. All right. So yeah. uh, my life will be. Uh, oh, I found a new life goal and a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, going back to Sensa Peso and and climbing a little bit out of the rabbit hole. Uh, we'll go back inside later, but uh, going back to Sensa Peso and, and and just you guys' vision. You know, what is your vision for virtual reality as a whole and in, and in general? What do you think it'll look like five years, ten years from now? Uh, and I'll start with you, John. I know you've been a little bit uh, quiet for a sec, but yeah, tell me. <clears throat> well, you know, I'm hoping that. I guess I see like 10 years out, I think we'll be getting close, you know, if VR is uh, is going to succeed, 10 years from now we'll be getting close to, uh, you know, retina screens and our VR devices. So I'm looking forward to the day when I can do all my kind of daily work in VR. Um, I'd really like to be able to work in, you know, the environment of my choosing and have all my tools be in VR. I think that would just be a really, it would be a good and happy place in the timeline of VR, right? I can go to my Zen garden and I can build my amazing worlds um, and games and experiences and I can do it all in the headset and all these interfaces. It would be a lot of fun to build all these interfaces out in kind of the VR, AR space and experiment with that and I think that'll be that'll be really a lot of fun. Um, but when you get farther out, then I think that's when the dystopia starts to creep in. Mm. <laughs> but ten years from now, it might be the golden age. It'll be the best time. And then the machines will take over. And what about you, Ikrima? What do you think? What do you think five <laughs> years and and ten years of of this you know roller coaster we're on will look like? Uh-huh. You know, for me, I think. I'm a, I'm a little bit more, um, um, uh, I don't want to say cynical or pessimistic, but more um, uh, have lower expectations. Uh, I think, you know, and uh, so that I can be pleasantly surprised when, when they are very exceeded, uh, very exceeded. But I think, you know, in five years, it's going to be a pretty, I think we're going to have some awesome new games. Some awesome new experiences. I think the medium might kind of start to, to, to mature 
you know, if it, if it really starts to, to hit mainstream, it, it will, you know, take, I don't know, like how, how long did the iPhone take to hit mainstream, you know, like three, four five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then you have other players joining in, you know, then you had like, you know, um, all this, these plethora of devices. Um, I think 10 years out, it's kind of where it gets to be really interesting. You know, like everybody's really good at predicting linear change, you know, but humans are very not good at predicting, you know, nonlinear effects. And, you know, when the iPhone came out, you know, no one, you know, immediately thought this thing is going to enable me to like book a ride from a complete stranger, you know, instead of a taxi cab that who happens to be two minutes away, right? Like no one is like, could, you know, foresee that Lyft and Uber and all those stuff were going to come out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to see 10 years out, what are the unexpected effects of VR? Like what happens when it starts to disrupt other industries and, and, and what, what is that going to look like? Yeah. What do you what do you think is one or a couple industries that you think are in dire need of disruption at this point? And perhaps VR could play a role in, you know, disrupting. For VR? Um you you mean what industries do I think are di- in dire need of just disruption period or or just in relation to VR? Mm, give me both because now I'm really curious to hear what your opinion is on both. <laughs> um, okay. Um uh, oh, this is a good question. It's I curse at so many things on a daily basis <laughs> that I think someone needs to fix. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of a single one of them at this moment. Comcast, uh, AT&T, the cable companies. Oh, my God, yes. The cell phone industry needs to go away. And, oh, okay, yes, and the broadband industry. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know where you live, Chris, but we're here in L.A., and Internet service is, like, I've been in – three different apartments and houses and it has been beyond utterly atrocious. And when I was living in Europe, you know, I was getting a hundred megabit up and down in, in Prague, you know, like out of all the places in the world. Um, so I think, you know, any, any place where there's still ma- any industries where there's still massive kind of bureaucracy that's like unnecessary and unneeded, whether it's DMVs, you know, a lot of governmental kind of, um, uh, you know, places like the, the whole DMV thing here in California is like the worst thing ever. Like, you know, it's like they've never heard of email or online anything. You yeah. know, they make you wait in, in line and print out papers and, and do stupid shit. Um, in relation to VR, um, um, I don't know if it's, it's so much that they need that to be disrupted, but I just kind of selfishly want, you know, like anime to be happening in VR. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm excited for someone else to, to figure that out so I can use it and play with it. Yeah. Someone make Attack on Giant, uh, on Titan somehow. Um, <laughs> yes. To, exactly. Yes. It would make me piss my pants somehow. Yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's a terrifying anime, man. It's I'm, I'm 26 years old, man, and my gonads go up into my stomach every time I'd like watch that show because it's just so intense. <laughs> It's so intense and awesome. I love. I love it. It's, it's. Yeah. Exactly. I want someone to make you know VR version of Attack on Titan that you know will be badass. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I I live in Daly City, just right across from next door to San Francisco, and yeah, I get not, I get my next. I'm sure I get my next Netflix throttled by a 
those assholes. I think the, uh, <laughs> the I think the the Comcast and the telecom the broadband companies are the robber barons of the 21st century. You know how you had oil barons in the in, it's it's the same. They just moved on to this thing, this this new source of you know uh, of making money. And you know going back to your point earlier, John, about you know having a an office space in VR, like you know. Who do you think is gonna nail that down? Like, how, how, what will make that, you know, what would make that successful? Like, it, what about the hardware and what in the software that you think will make a collaborative workspace successful, and or workspace at all? Because I, I, I'm already adding in the word collaborative without you saying it, because I really want to be able to, you know, be inside of a a virtual reality office space where like I have all my friends hanging out at, you know, at the top of Mount Doom or something, yeah. Um, but you know, you personally, what do you think is uh, is re- is required uh, for for it to successfully be a part of you know our lives? Hmm. I mean, I, I think we may not get there in ten years, but we'll need some kind of platform um, that people can build on, almost a an operating system level where these tools can be built, because. What I don't really want is like a virtual office where I just have a bunch of virtual computer screens up. And I guess that would work okay for a while, but it's not all that exciting, you know. What we need is some kind of persistent VR uh, layer on which we can install software that then augments that layer. And that software comes from any third-party vendor. I think what we're going to be stuck with for a long time is siloed experiences because it's how the engines are kind of built by default right now. Mm -hmm. You're going to be jumping from one VR experience to another to another, and maybe you're always in VR. Like it'll jump to one, and then it'll like switch to Steam big picture mode and suspend one experience, and then you'll move on to another one. But... uh, if you really want to have something like uh, very fluid, we're going to have to have like a, a, maybe like an Apple extensibility model where you can load software into another package, and and that would be like your workspace package. And hopefully, Oculus is is thinking about that and working on something along those lines, or, or you know, any other company is working on something like that that has the resources to do it because it would be uh, pretty exciting and I think pretty necessary to really make it uh, compelling. Hmm. That'd be, yeah, that's an, that those are really interesting points. You know, uh, we're starting to go into a close, but I want to get you guys' thoughts real quick on <clears throat> what are your, what is the worst thing in your mind that could happen to this industry right now? And, and give me what's the worst thing and the best thing. Um, you know, I, I just, off the top of your head, or if you've thought about it before, just, you know, go ahead and give it to me. <laughs> um, I think the worst thing that could happen right now is that um, VR dies in its, in its infancy. You know, it's, um, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, if people are introduced to kind of bad VR, and 
Um, they have an initial terrible reaction with it and it makes them feel motion sick or something like that. Um, if, if, you know, there's a, if there's a critical, before we, you know, VR reaches kind of the main, the critical mass for the mainstream, you know, like I think those kind of things are, are very important to be cognizant of. And, you know, Oculus definitely is one of the, the biggest proponents of being very cautious uh, about, you know, having everybody's first VR experience be very positive. Because, you know, if people have a very bad reaction to it, you know, and it doesn't hit critical mass, you know, then it's kind of like, A, it's, you know, it may survive that, you know, but it's, it's a pretty big blow to something at its, at its infancy. And that's, that's just going to make our job as content creators and as consumers of VR, you know, people who really enjoy it that much harder um, to get it to be this amazing thing that we know it will be. And then yeah, the, I, I, the, I, I, the first one of my aunts, the first thing I did is I put her in Rift Coaster, which mm-hmm. is usually a pretty safe first demo, but uh, that made her uncomfortable enough that I haven't coaxed her back into VR since. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a danger there that's real mm-hmm. that Oculus is right to be worried about. Yeah. So, so definitely VR, bad VR experiences, bad VR, bad VR content could be, uh, and, and probably is the Achilles heel of, of this virtual reality industry as we speak. But, you know, what is the best thing in your minds? The best thing that could happen? Uh, you know, I don't know another uh, Google or Microsoft jumping in the game. I don't know if that. I, what, what, <laughs> What do you guys think? And I'll start with uh, John, and I'll finish with uh, Ikrima. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure fragmenting the market would be the best thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be both good and bad. You know, it, it would kind of open up the field. There'd be more competition. There might be more funding available um, for people. But that means that, you know, as a, speaking from a developer's perspective every time you have another platform to worry about it gets harder so for sure uh, maybe for selfish reasons that might not be the, the greatest thing that could possibly happen but um i think the best thing that could happen is that oculus and sony both succeed and sell millions of units um, tens of millions of units hundreds of millions of units and it and it goes viral um I think that's the thing. Like, there's this little middle ground. Like, VR might not just die, uh, suddenly die off because everyone's like sick and they don't want to do an experience again. But it, it's going to be hard. It, it has to be viral, right? Because you can't explain to anybody how good it is when to experience. You can't show them a video of Senzo Peso and they don't get any idea what it's like. You know. You can kind of you can show them a video of someone reacting to it, and they kind of get a slightly better idea, but they still don't believe it. They just think that person is crazy. So you have to get people. You have to put a rift on them, and so it has to be a viral phenomenon. So so there could be this problem where we have this very slow growth. We're not getting enough virality to support all of us developers in the near term, and that could be a pretty big disaster on its own, even if VR doesn't die. Um, but it, it kind of does need to take off fast enough for us to, to live. Um, 
So, you know, the best thing that can happen is an iPhone style growth curve where it just goes completely viral and people try it out and they decide that they have to have their own. Yeah, what do you think, Ikrima, is going to be the best thing for this industry at this point? Yeah, I agree with, with what John said. I think, you know, I, I really hope that Oculus and, and Sony really succeed into kind of selling millions and millions of units, you know. I, you know, I guess my, like, if I could magically wave a wand and have it, have you know, uh, it come true, it'd be like I'd, you know, would love to see, you know, them having their products ready, you know, by like Black Friday time and having it all the stores and having them kind of just completely run out of inventory. You know, I think that that would just kind of be a great way to kind of have everything just kind of go viral, of, you know, having parents, you know, um, you know, buy for their kids or kids showing other kids or kids showing it to their grandparents. And, you know, it's one of those things that brings people together. And it's like, once you've experienced it, you get it. And you want to get your other friends to do it as well. And if that kind of big spark and craze happens with, uh, you know, the first round of headsets, you know, that'll be a great signal to the community and to developers and to the 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 ecosystem that supports the developers like you know the unity engine the unreal engine you know those the you know companies to start supporting vr as a first class citizen mm-hmm. if all that happens it'd be it'd be an amazing thing for all of us yeah i just hearing you say that and like me imagining it in my head i'm just like oh like like my fingers are tingling i'm like well that would be so like amazing um i know we're, we're uh, starting to draw it to a close i'd be really quick before we leave um sure. let, give me you guys' uh, predictions of i'm not a gambling man but i but <laughs> i i like uh, uh you know i enjoy a good bet what uh, do you guys think is going to be the year one after one year of consumer version one of the Oculus Rift being out on the market, what do you think is going to be their sales? And whoever wins between Ikrima and John will get a clone of my dog when she dies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the fire one. No, 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 no. I'll give you the the cuddle one, the cuddle one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, go, uh, yeah. Give me, give me just off the top of your head. What do you think is going to be year one worldwide sales of Oculus Rift version, consumer version one? Um, that's, that's a good one. Can I give you a range? Uh, yes, it can only be uh, a 500,000 range. Oh man, I was going to say one to a billion. (laughs) 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 Um, I have, I honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say the number that I want them to to sell, which is completely unrealistic, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want them to sell like, you know. 20 million units. Okay. Year one worldwide. Uh, what do you think, John? Hmm. Well, let's see. Can I do it with logic? They think they're going to, they said the other day, they think they're going to sell like half a million, which I think is laughably low estimate. So and then it, it would be very hard for them to ramp up 20 million. So I don't know. I'm gonna say ten million. Okay. All right. Which I think 
you know, I think that would be a, a healthy number. Um, I think we that's a, that's enough of a market. It's not overwhelming, and uh, I think it would work out. Okay. One of you men will get my dog in the mail uh, sometime <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I'm going to throw my, my number. Wife will, my wife will be very upset. <laughs> she does not want a dog. Oh, my God. Well, once she sees our eyes, she'll be like, oh. Oh my God! Well, that's the my dog will say that. Oh my God! She'll she'll speak English. Uh, so uh, once again, you John uh John Star Dewart and Ikrima Al Hassan. That's right. Oh yes, that was awesome. Uh, you guys have been true scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. You guys really, I had a a blast talking to you both. I I, I want to do this again sometime. Um, please keep me posted. Uh, and, and keep making the labor of love that you're making um, because it's, it's truly inspiring. How can, how can people stay in touch? You know, how can people support and follow what you're doing these days? Yeah, absolutely. And um, they can go to uh, our website, um, kiteandlightning.la, and we have a, a little newsletter subscription uh, box that, that you can kind of put your email in to um, follow, you know, the, the new releases of stuff we do, you know, we, we put out beta tests sometimes and, and to kind of just be abreast of, um, you know, uh, some of the stuff that we're doing and, and sometimes we bounce ideas off of, off of people who are on our, on our newsletter. So yeah, if you, if you like any of our stuff, we'd love to have you on there and, and to join the dialogue. Very cool. And, uh, we're also on Twitter at KNL station, uh, at KNL studio. Um, very true. Yes, Twitter is a, a, a very good forum too. But the newsletter, everyone should sign up for the newsletter right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, seriously, uh, gentlemen, it's been awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Dude, thank you for having right. us. Thank you. Blast.